Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. There we go. It recorded this time. Thanks, Zoom. Hey. <laughs> uh, I, know, uh, I know Zoom is probably having uh, lots of Lots of things going on right now. Oh, uh, it's probably on overload. <laughs> it is. It is. But I am excited to do this. And you know what? Uh, my guest today is fantastic. I can't wait to learn from her and, and share all this with everyone listening. Um, and we're kind of matchy-matchy today. I just realized this. Oh, yeah. Look, we both have the and blue. same headset. <laughs> we both have this, like, light blue shirt on. Not the same shirt, mind you, but the same yeah. color. <laughs> Probably a good and, thing it's not the same shirt. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, seriously. But, yeah, this is going to be great. And uh, I'm coming at everyone here live from Studio B in the <laughs> coronavirus bunker here in my home <laughs> office. And we are going to just have a great episode here today to give everyone something to uh to learn and listen and enjoy and, and all that so my guest today like i was saying earlier she's fantastic marketing strategist and architect digital marketing expert 
and a branding evangelist. She is also a gymnast in and out of the office, which we will talk about. The director of marketing at Millar, Michelle Sanders. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be great. It's a Friday. We have physical isolation, but not on a podcast. Mm-hmm. We've got the Zoom meeting happening. We got video for anyone listening. If you want to actually see things because you, you just you haven't seen people in weeks, YouTube yeah. <laughs> has the video. So go there and check it out. Um, the, so, hey, thanks for coming. Welcome. This is our marketing leadership series. And we're looking to just pick your brain and learn some strategies from you. So I'm going to pass you this. This All is an right. imaginary <laughs> Thor's hammer. The real one is actually back in the office. (laughs) (laughs) So take that and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Just set the record straight once and for all. Sure. Well, the first myth I'd like to smash is that marketing automation is only a marketing tool. Oh, but it's called marketing automation and it's not just a marketing tool. No, it's it's not not called sales and marketing automation, but... Maybe it should be. (laughs) Sales can really take a lot of good data from the tool and they really need to know how it works and understand the platform, not in as depth as a marketing person would, but they need to understand what data it's putting out and why and how that data is being accounted for. I mean, we, we had a great uh, sales team here, you know, that marketing and sales alignment were really important for us. So we worked hand in hand to make sure the tool worked for us both seamlessly, but it wasn't always that way. Yeah, no doubt. So this is cool. I'd like this topic. You are smashing something important. It's called marketing automation, but sales needs to be trained on it too. So huge. You know, did you learn that the hard way or did you just have training built in? And, and then how did you do it? So what's your take on it? How, what does sales need to know about marketing automation? So definitely just getting started with marketing automation back, I think in 2015, I definitely thought the same thing. I was like, this is a marketing tool. Yeah. I didn't really think, you know, sales needed to know the inner workings of it. But then, you know, the more you start putting data in front of them, you know, adding templates to Salesforce to show, Pardot marketing details. It's like, okay, well, what's their score? What's their grade? What was their last activity? Right. You know, that if you're not careful, that stuff can just get buried at the bottom. The salespeople can hide it and they're not even paying attention to it. So they're calling on a customer and, you know, having a conversation when, you know, they could have seen, oh yeah, they were active, you know, X number of days ago by clicking on this email link or downloading this white paper. And if they're just oblivious to that, you know, you're not going to have a nearly as valuable of a conversation. It's so true. There's so much context that they can use, right? There's so many generic, you know, I think about the LinkedIn spammers, right? All those email messages we get, we're in the same industry. Would you like to connect? And it's like, dude, Mm -hmm. like, come on. It's so generic. I'm not going to connect with you. And so sales could really use some context to say, Hey, you know, I saw you checked out our white paper. What'd you think? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I saw you registered for a webinar. Um, were you able to attend or would you like the recording? Can I send it to you? Like there's so many nice things sales could do if they had that information. Right. And if you're really playing on the same team, you really have to leverage. It's like, well, what campaigns are working for you? Like where yeah. are you spending your marketing dollars? Because, you know, 
marketing can't just guess. You know, they have to have the proof of, you know, get your ROI. And if they're not attributing these campaigns to their opportunities, then all that is lost. You know, some of it can be right. automated, but it does take a, you know, an extra look at it too to make sure it's being counted towards the right campaign. So that's a big thing that we we trained our sales staff on is, hey, just take an extra second to look at their last activity. Can we attribute this to a trade show or really was it just a website, you know, organic search, you know, help us out here. And we got to the point where our sales team was actually, you know, sometimes they'd have questions. They'd call it, call me up and say, hey, I'm not sure which one this should be attributed to. Can you let me know? And we got to have a really good, you know, relationship wow. back and forth. That, that kind of blows my mind because sales doesn't normally act like that. that that's no, awesome. they don't. That, that's but we, great. Did you, did you bribe them with pizza or did you <laughs> threaten them with no leads? Like how did you get this kind of cooperation with sales? Well, you know, when it comes to the trade shows, that is a little bit of, you know, hey, I won't sign up for the show again if you can't show me that it's getting some type of return. So oh. A little bit more black and white for sure. Yeah. Like let's make sure we do this attribution correctly. Right. <laughs> we may not be going to, we, none of us may be going to the next show. So it's, no, it's like, yeah, do you like, if you like this face to FaceTime with doctors, you got to show me that it's worthwhile. So show me. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. like that. That's a good, I mean, we can learn like a lot of things from you, the, the practical, tactical things that you're sharing, as well as just some of the ways you're approaching sales in a way that they get they're like oh got it me being here next year and getting all those sales that i made money off of it means me doing playing ball with marketing and making sure we're on the same page yeah um, yeah a big thing that helped too is just kicking off the beginning of the year let's have sales marketing kick off together align oh, cool. our goals you know let's have sales walk through their goals where they're trying to achieve what's marketing trying to achieve and then you get some extra time just to be like well let's just do a marketing automation quick training update like let's not forget about all these you know amazing tools that we have that you know we need to utilize and understand right. the data especially if you get new sales on board onboarding and they don't really have the same in-depth love for marketing automation as the other people did so so true. Uh, what take me back to when you first trained them? What kind of things did you make sure you were telling them in the training? The key things from the get go, because we didn't have um, the grading in place, you know, immediately. That took right, some time to develop, but it was really just, you know, what were their last interactions? So, you know, what campaigns were they interacting with? Were they? And I, you know, made sure I showed them. Okay, here's where you check. Like they're in three campaigns. Did they respond to only one out of three? done we're good easy right. easy for <laughs> so that was the that was the first thing and then you know slowly we added on more and showed them how you know they interact with content and on downloads and things like that so. that's cool did did you have everyone all in the same room or did you do like different small groups like what was the size of the training when you're kind of sharing all this with them well lucky for us we have a small team so it makes it a little bit easier we were able to all be in the same room but again, oh, that's nice. we, yeah. there was a couple times where we you know, had remote salespeople video call in and share the same presentations and it works just as effectively. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Cause I, I think, you know, you get too many then and it's like a, a show. It's like, no, mm -hmm. we're not here to watch WWE wrestling. This is like yeah. a quick training, pay attention. But then um, you got a nice small intimate group. They, everyone feels like they can ask questions. Yeah. And, 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 well, and the cool thing about, uh, Pardot marketing automation is they do have a few, you know, sales tools mm. to get, you know, with um, engaged. And so that was one thing I thought might be interesting to try. 
but you're not going to do it unless people are actually using it. So yeah, right. I actually it costs money. did exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Hey, here's a tool. You know, it took a few tries, but I was like, let's watch some demos and then asking questions. Well, how do you think you would use this? Like, do you see a use for it? And they started thinking about it and coming up with right. their own, you know, strategies for it. And by the end of the meeting, they're like, yeah, we want this. So. Wow. I like that you get them wanting something before, yeah. you, probably even before you got it. And you're like, hey, what do you, right. you use that? Yeah, I could use that. And then the proofs of them putting it, they actually use it. But then, yeah, you know, continuing that enable, you mentioned all these different meetings. You're like, hey, reminder, here's something about that tool that we talked about, mm -hmm. you know, last month. Right. Yeah. At least you get over that initial hurdle of saying, hey, we have this tool now you have to use it. It's like, mm -hmm. get, them on, <laughs> get everyone on the same page and excited from the get go. Yeah, and ideally, it's beyond just even using the tool, right? It's like, if this thing helps them sell more things and close more deals, they're going to use anything, you know? Exactly. They're gonna, they'll do smoke signals if that was guaranteed to get them some more close one deals. That's cool. Right. I remember um, I did a training. I was mentioning this um, to you uh, earlier. I did a training on the, the sales team. Like, I trained a sales team of one of our clients and um they were down in new orleans and so i got to fly down there um train a bunch of rowdy salespeople who are on their <laughs> sales kickoff which is a lot of fun like they are just such a fun time oh, yeah. cool culture they're certainly the party animals i mean marketing we can we can we can go a little crazy but sales <laughs> i mean they're just they're out and about so yeah. um, it was great to just fly down there do the training they're all like yeah that's pretty cool i like this and you're right. The questions are kind of a good signal that people are processing. They're like, huh, could I do this? Could I do that? Maybe what mm -hmm. happens with this? Like when you get those questions, it means it actually went in and it bounced right, around a little about bit. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how could this help me? Like, right. Right. Any, do you remember any questions that they asked you or any, any kind of common questions that sales has around this kind of thing? So oh, one thing we ran into, and, and this was more of the whole alignment part is, you know, we had those automated emails go out. We had, you know, they're like, when are they going out? Or, you know, who is it from? Right. And, you know, the get go, we're like, hey, well, we have these emails come from you. So you're just constantly following up these people. And, you know, you, can, you learn a little bit along the way of, you know, mate, that works if you have all your I guess automations and timings and things set up appropriately can work fantastic. But if not, you're going to get in trouble because we ran <laughs> into an issue where it's like sales is like, yeah, I just sent a person, you know, he sent an email from his account. And then it's like an hour later, here comes an automated email. It's like, Oh, no. well, who looks, you know, like an idiot or, you know, I think that maybe happened once. And then we're like, all right, turn it off. You're not <laughs> going to have any more emails come from you. Interesting. Automatically. Because that guy was doing a lot of emails himself. He was, yeah. He yeah. was just on it. Uh, so it, rather than uh, saving him time. So it was a, you know, that, so it got into, once that happened, it got into more questions. Well, how do I know which leads you're emailing and which ones I'm emailing? And how do we separate, you know, ones from being nurtured versus the ones that I have full control over? So that even opened a whole other, you know, can of worms. And sure. And after we get back from trade shows, it's like, let's separate, separate out these leads. How do we rank them to make sure sales is the only one following up with certain ones and marketing can do the other ones that are sort of like, you know, colder leads that aren't going to buy right away right. and setting up those processes to make sure we're following up with everyone in some capacity. Yeah. You know what? Can of worms, but glad they got opened up. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a good conversation to have is, okay, when do I own the lead? When do you own the lead? Because I mean, how many times have we seen situations where 
you have leads that are supposed to be owned by sales don't nurture they're in mm -hmm. the no nurture and they've been there for like seven months right like, <laughs> this person obviously hasn't bought yet and could benefit from some kind of nurturing um but it's owned by sales don't nurture so what, what's this all about you know so really having that conversation mm -hmm. yeah that's almost it's like the data doesn't lie so it's like hey yeah let's run a report how many people have you followed up with recently and what touch points did they get so at least you can know like I, I know you can't follow up with all these people <laughs> right right you're not staying until like 9 p.m just sending the same email out to yeah thousand people in fact don't do that like no, I, it's like so, let me help you <laughs> yeah yeah let me help you prioritize your time like mm -hmm. I will send this amazing email out from you and then you can just call all the people that you know are going to be buying this week. You know, right. like teamwork is how it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Um, sweet. So, so we've smashed this myth. I feel like, I don't know if there's anything else we haven't smashed about it, but the whole idea of just making sure sales is trained. And I guess this extends to any kind of technology, right? It's not just marketing. It does. I think it's important for, yeah, for sales just to understand what, what's being tracked, why it's important. And that way, you know, they're, I'm always leveraging sales to just better understand the customer and how they're yeah. interacting with things and content and, you know, as far as like user experience on the website. So it's all important and to know it's like, all right, hey, maybe there's only X number of people visiting this page for X amount of time. Like, what do you think's wrong with this page? Like, how can I improve it? So yeah for sure you know if we don't if we don't talk if we don't share there's all sorts of weird wacky stuff that can happen um one time i had a a lead gen page that was like really awesome it was um mm -hmm. nice and small and optimized it was for pay-per-click campaigns coming in mm -hmm. it was super super short and then there's this organic one that was the existing pre-existing one sort of like a contact us page kind of thing, sign up now yeah. on the, um, on the, the homepage. And some report came out that said that, yeah, sure. We'd gotten a bunch of leads from the short form, but the long form actually led to more um, buying customers. Mm, yeah. And in some people were jumping to the conclusion of like, well, we should make all of our forms long. And I was like, no, don't <laughs> stop. It's like, what's going on? Like, why is this happening? Um, and the long and the short is I went down and I sat with sales and was just chit-chatting with them and talking to them about the different leads. Come to find out, no one had told them, probably me, I hadn't even thought of it, no one had told them that we were doing a different kind of form or a different mm -hmm. kind of, you know, a test. And so all they knew is some leads came in with like five fields, some came in with like 12 fields. Okay. And so they assumed everyone had the opportunity to fill out 12 and these people that did five just were like losers and didn't care. I got we're lazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're like, Oh, they're probably not that interested because these other people, they filled out 12, not realizing that people who filled out 12 had no option not to. Mm -hmm. And people with five had no option to do more. And so once we kind of cleared that up, they're like, Oh, okay. But they had been cherry picking all the 12s and they had actually been leaving the fives for dead. Like they weren't oh, wow. even worth following up on. And we were spending the money on following, getting those ones in so it's so crazy oh yeah yeah so that comes back to it's like that communication between sales and marketing it's like all right you have a new campaign what are you trying to achieve you know we're downloading you know say we got a new linkedin campaign going on it's like we have new content they're downloading it's like this is what this is running from x time to x time so they can pay attention to it too and figure yeah. out you know, help support if it's actually converting or not right knowing the webinars are knowing 
when new case studies come out so that mm -hmm. they can be the ones actually using it, you know, using that yeah. as like a weapon in their, in their right. set. And they can be promoting it themselves through their own Yeah, channels, so. yeah, they could be promoting it, getting a bunch of people in, in seats. Mm -hmm. they're, sure. they're more connected to networks than, you know, sometimes your own uh, followers to your company. So, you know, they're connected to the right people. Yeah, they're in the network, especially if they've been around for a while, they're probably mm -hmm. super connected. Yeah, fantastic. So tell me, because I think we're talking a little bit about tech and I want to get into marketing automation. What's your take on marketing automation, you know, post implementation? Is it one of those things? Do you, you know, like how much care and feeding do you need to, to give it? Yeah. So when I first got marketing automation and the way I sold it, this is this was a big myth to me as I was like, you know what? This is yeah, like having it. a second person on the team. And I was like, they're going to do all this work for me. I'm just going to set it up and let it run. And it's going to be magical. And yeah. Go on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Check in by phone. How the leads doing? Yeah. They're, they're coming in in droves. They're great. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, maybe that works for the short term, but not for the long term. I mean, it, it's a beast in itself that has to be managed, you know, nurtured, audited, make sure, you know, you can just accumulate so much content and images yeah. and files. And, you know, of course your lead pro or your email programs are going to get stale quickly. So that always requires updating and maintenance and, you know, maybe your automations work for a year and then, you know, things change with your site. And if you're not updating those, it's like you could have, you know, five automations working for like a couple sure. simple things and not understanding that and relooking at what's all connected and how it's playing together is that uh, can be really dangerous actually you could be paying a lot of money for a system that's failing you right you're not careful right like it could i mean i think the, the whole myth around that too is that it doesn't fix everything for you it just does more of what you tell it to do right. so if you tell it to do bad marketing it's going to do way more bad right. marketing <laughs> exactly. everyone's going to get your terrible faster. marketing yeah <laughs> faster faster yeah. and more efficient they were going to get the worst marketing you've ever created uh faster so yeah it's a good point that you you can't you can't set it forget it and you gotta give it consideration how how do you you know how do you plan your months or quarters how do you remind yourself to care and feed for marketing automation like what's what are your tips around that yeah, it's really just looking at the year as a whole. It's like, okay, let's let's break this up into quarters. It's like, what do we, you know, what is our goal for the quarter content-wise? And, you know, if you don't have someone dedicated to just maintaining the system 24-7, that they're in there day in, day out, it, you do have to set reminders. It's like, all right, once a month, let's right. check in on all these more email campaigns. You know, what's still running? What needs to be turned off? What needs to be refreshed for the next month? And, you know, same thing I found with just as you're doing emails and you're uploading all these new image files for these emails, oh, it just didn't get overloaded with, it's like, okay, well, I didn't use this image. It's been five years, like it's <laughs> sitting in the system, like let's, let's help clean this up or, you know, organize the content into folders rather than just letting it all sort of mash together and, uh, and understanding the purpose of it all. It's like, yeah, totally. I was joking the other day about like, Marie Kondo plus Parda. You got to like oh, yeah, clean exactly. up your clean up your system, you know, and and make sure it's uh, you know don't just hoard stuff. Don't hoard contacts. Don't hoard leads. Don't mm -hmm. hoard assets. You know they're not doing you any any good there. Yeah, well, especially since you know once you get to a certain threshold, you have to pay for a larger oh, database. So it's geez. like if you if you're not actually emailing all those people, then why are you paying for it? <laughs> That's a really good point. Do you do you have any tips around that? I mean, what do you do? to keep track of folks that are in your database 
they're never going to buy from you. They're not even probably alive. Anymore. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a hard one because yeah. it's like, oh, it's a contact name. It's, it's hard to delete on that. And, you know, especially if you have it syncing to, you know, a system like Salesforce, it's, you know, you're bogging down that system too. And, but really I think, you know, for us, we knew it's like, okay, we got rid of a couple product lines. So anyone associated with that product line, that's a clean, yeah, you don't need to be in our system yeah. anymore. But again, if it's been, you know, what, how it depends on your business, right? Is it three years? Is it five years? You know, our buying cycle is pretty long. So okay. if it's been two years and they haven't really interacted, that doesn't necessarily mean throw them in the trash, but it, yeah. it's I mean, really it's, about the role and really the buyer yeah. persona. You got to start looking at that. It's like all these junk people that, you know, maybe registered and now are sitting in your database. It's like, you don't want them clogging up your system. So you have to be a little proactive, you know, when they come in, make sure and clean it up immediately. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I love that you tied into the the buying cycle, like how long your sales cycle is, because mm -hmm. that should help inform how long you keep people around. If you've got like a year long sales process and you've you've got someone that's been around for a week, that's probably not enough time right. to evaluate <laughs> them. But if they've been around for ten years, probably should get rid of them. Right. Yeah. They may not be at that company anymore. <laughs> so. Right. They're, they're not even there anymore. Um, you know, I used to, I used to hoard um, contacts. It used to be, you know, in marketing, I think we kind of look at our number of mailable contacts or lead number or whatnot. Our database is like treasure under the dragon kind of thing. It does, like, yeah. It feels that way. Yeah. Like, Oh, we got 30,000 or 300,000 or 3 million. Oh, we now we have 3 million and a half or whatever number you have. You always want more, but then you realize, um, I think I, one company I was at where they, <laughs> the database was like from the seventies, you yeah. know, <laughs> and you're right. Like those people are like not even there anymore. Um, yeah. and you know, God forbid you try to mail those people and the, the damage oh, exactly. it'll do your IP yeah. address. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of a, you know, website relaunch. And so we're looking at, okay, well, how many people are in our website database and how many people are going to be oh, transferred wow. to the new database? And yeah. right now the numbers aren't huge, but I'm looking at their last, you know, access. And I'm like, well, this person didn't access the website for eight years. So there's no reason. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's keep eight it small years. and simple and get our top people, you know, in there that need to be in there. And if they're really interested, they will, they will re-register. We'll let them know. There's lots of great info. We want their latest data anyways. We don't want to be right. clogging the system with old emails or contact info. So that is crazy. Thinking about that. Um, yeah. Like eight years ago and, and like, Oh yeah, we got 3000 people from eight years ago. Not, nah, you don't really do. And it, like, it's a good reminder that your data is constantly, eroding and degrading it is yeah it you is know? it's a constant and it's a constant battle that, that's just yeah. the way it is so no one no one likes cleaning up data let's face it <laughs> no one does like it's almost like you need a company full of nerds that are like we'll clean your data right um you'd be like yeah here it's like it's like house cleaning service you're like oh, just just come in just come in yeah or, or you're too embarrassed you're like i don't want you to look at my data it's so bad um, right yeah wait, you gotta do it you know yeah, we did uh, do a big initiative though, another for the data quality cleanup where we set gauges and things for different oh, salespeople wow. and scores. So, you know, you, it was front and center. All right, all your leads or contacts, you're at like a 50%. So I was like, I mean, you're missing like a lot of data or you're at a 90%. And so, you know, salespeople are competitive. And if oh, they, yeah. they're like, hey, I can't have my data being 
worse than yours. So right. that, was a, that, that helped a little bit get ours up and going, um, at least for our top customers. Right. I imagine that would be that would be the case, and then you just gotta gotta get gotta get rid of some of these people. And I think, you know, with CRM, it's one thing, but at least in Pardot, you know, there's a recycle bin. You know, God bless yeah. recycling. That's true. Yes, yeah. and never gone forever, really. Right, which is really kind of cool, and until you try to factor in GDPR. But other than that, it's yeah. really kind of cool <laughs> that they exist in the recycling bin. People didn't know if you have Pardot, you know, if you delete someone, they go in the recycle bin. If they ever come back and fill out a form again. Lo and behold, they're back and you, and you, it restores all their previous information. So you don't have to feel so hesitant to get rid of, you know, old contacts and part out that haven't been doing anything. So I, I like to do, have you ever done this where you do like a wake up campaign? You, you're like, I'm about to delete you. This is like your last oh, meal. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and you send them a crazy email. a couple of those, yeah. <laughs> kind of offer, you know, some kind of wacky thing. Um, maybe the subject line talks about aliens and then you're offering them like a trip to Vegas just to see if they're breathing, you know? <laughs> like, are you alive over there? And I've you, definitely get, gotten some of those. <laughs> yeah. And if you get crickets, it's like, okay, you're really not alive. So yeah. we can delete you. Exactly. Um, yeah. Now, were you talking about that? Have you gotten those ones that are like, should we, should we still talk? The salesperson who's like going for the no right away is like, I sent you an email. I'm following up. Do you want me to one, keep going Two, wait or three, leave you alone forever? You know? Yes. I've definitely got, gotten one of those. And speaking yeah. of aliens, I think I've gotten some that it's like four, you've been abduct abducted from, by aliens. <laughs> Has it really said that? I, yeah. I have definitely gotten one like wow, that. <laughs> I was just like mentally making that up, but no, it, I, it's, alien. someone has actually used that before. <laughs> wow. I like that. And I did, do it, laugh. did it work? Did you, did you, I laughed. laughed? And I, and, you and I deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't respond or click or anything. No, so it was a completely cold outreach. Someone I had never uh, actually yeah. even had any contact with or was interested in whatever they were selling. So. Got it. Got it. You know what I've started doing recently is when I get the spammers on LinkedIn who are like, hey, check out my thing, blah, 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 my thing. Do you, can you buy my thing? Can you do my service? Uh -huh. Whatever. I write back and say, Sounds interesting. Have you heard of my book on marketing automation? And I link them to it. Well, like, how about you buy my book? Right, right. So anytime they're going to spam me and promote something to me, I'm going to write them back and be like, hey, have you bought my book? And, um, and I think if somebody wants to like, do a meeting with me, I'll be like, yeah, I'll meet with you. Buy my book and then I'll meet with you. Um, so yeah, getting revenge. I don't know if anyone's done that yet, but I'll just, I'll just keep marketing to them. They're like my, there you go. Yeah. hey, and You're, they can't report me for spam because they spam me. They reached first. out first, right? Yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> Crazy. They're true. So this is good. This is good. Um, question for you. Um, let's see here. You know what? Um, this ties into that last thing we were talking about earlier around people understanding what marketing's doing. Like, mm -hmm. I think your training of the sales team is it is a giant step there but could you talk about the challenge of just having people understand what you do and it's like oh we just do the pretty oh, pictures yeah. and all that it, it is definitely a challenge and i think you know a huge myth from for other people that are not you know our engineering department or whoever that are not involved in marketing they're like oh and I've, I've heard a direct quote marketing's the one that does the pretty pictures and <laughs> logos and plans fun events and you know oh they're they're in charge of happy hours or whatever <laughs> and i'm right. like okay i was like well yeah that is uh, maybe one percent of what marketing actually does <laughs> but so it 
so when I when I came to Millar, it was definitely a immature marketing mm. function. You know, they they didn't have really marketing in place before, and it it literally was just that. It was plan some trade shows, you know, keep update the brochures, and then you get to manage the website, and that was about it. You know, they huh. had a couple emails, you know, database. They would mass email everyone. It wasn't segmented. It you just know, blast them an email, just right? Blast just them. Big blast. Yeah. yeah, customers, prospects, whatever. Everyone yeah. in the database. So we didn't have a CRM at the time, and so there was a lot, you know, of systems and processes. And I think people don't realize the strategy that's really involved to keep all these things working together. You know, when it comes to your website and the lead tracking and then campaigns and the content management and even just the overarching like brand management. It's not about the logo. I and mean, it's like how, what is the brand experience through the entire journey? Like how are people responding um, from, you know, when you get, um, even when you're onboarding new employees, it's like, how are they experiencing the company and yeah. attracting new employees as well as, you know, the, the brand and how you're communicating it outward is a big part of that. So, you know, having consistent messaging and it can be very powerful if it's done right, or it can basically, you know, be completely fragmented and, and not have any impact whatsoever. So, um, right. and it, you know, when you, there's all so many puzzle pieces and I love the little, um, diagrams I've seen of people where it's like marketing wears many hats and it's like all these things that play into the yeah. whole like marketing strategy and it's really you know you you can get um quickly down into like the tactical stuff very quickly because that's what you have to do on a day-to-day -day to make things work but then it's like the big picture of you know the customer journey it's like okay well what does that mean and what projects are associated with that to make it you know s smooth from like the beginning to the end and you know, I think it's, it's interesting here at Millar's, we have a, a new segment that has gotten engineering more involved as like a service provider. And so they're really understanding more now what marketing does and how they help right. attract the customers and the interactions between them along the way to get business up and going. Yeah. Like that whole print shop for sales, you know, like, mm -hmm. like you're just a publisher or something. Right. It's like, oh yeah. Can you update this? brochure here's replace this picture or yeah yeah and so I mean, and that yeah kind of looking at people like graphic designers you know? right yeah and that is actually you know i've definitely been and um i guess met people from different companies where that literally is their marketing department is a graphic designer yeah so. just to make things pretty there's so yeah. much more to it to your point the whole like entire experience mm -hmm. no other group is focused on that overall experience sales they're focused on that that closing experience i mean they have to nurture people through if they don't have marketing everyone else you know they're they're looking at you know their particular area and marketing kind of covers the whole gamut and they're trying it to does, look at yeah. the experience yeah from beginning to end yeah post sales it's like how are you going to maintain those customers you know check in on how they're doing with the, you know, the company. It's like you can have customer service people, but they also have to tie in to marketing, be connected as well to make sure it's all cyclical. Yeah. Now, now where you're at, have you, have you been able to, and, and what are the ways that have been effective to get from being like that print shop to being more of like, Hey, we're an investment. We're a active part of the revenue process. Yeah. So I think it's definitely always a challenge and getting, 
a seat at the table yeah, is right. important, right? Because yeah. for a long time, it was sales and marketing sort of merged under one, yeah. um, you know, leader. So it's like really the precedence took over sales. So I think in, you know, when you're having those leadership meetings, it was like most of the conversations were about sales and marketing was, oh yeah, we went to this trade show and we got a uh, hundred leads. And that was like the only thing that came up about marketing, you know, in those meetings where now it's like, okay, well, what are some bigger picture items that we need to focus on, on marketing? And then of course showing the data to say, okay, hey, right. X number of leads and they turned into X, you know, amount of business and, you know, we're reaching these customers at these companies and these, that's who we want to do business with. And this is how they got there was all these, these marketing activities that led the way to that. I like that you're sharing more than just numbers. I think sometimes KPIs, you know, if you don't exactly know the number, like who cares? But if you're like, you know, that big deal that we just closed came about because we met them at that conference and they came to our VIP dinner. And then this is what happened. And sales was like, oh, I want more of that. Let's repeat more of that. Marketing, how can I help you? Well, so I recently put together, it was a little bit manual, Mm. um, but it was a, like our top customer. And I was like, hey, let's, look at this when their first interaction was with the company till today mm-hmm. and how much business it's like, I mean, the customer life cycle. Right. Right. And so it's like, okay, they came to us back in 2013 and they bought a few products here and then, you know, they went away for a while and then they came back and I think it was like 2016 and yeah. here's where you can see a spike in activity on the website from various people at the company checking things out and then you can see okay they bought and I just laid it all out like as a map and I was like hey this is their story and I was like this story spanned over seven years and you can see like it's you're always nurturing these people they come and go especially in um, our line of business because it's just we do have these long lead cycles we're in medical device, device development it can take five years to get a you know product to market. And so they're working right. on it in the background, but you still got to be there and remind them, yeah, we're here and they'll, they'll come back when they're ready. But um, so it was a really cool way to paint the picture of like, this is how we're impacting them along the way. And yeah, yeah, no, that is, that is cool. I, those, those things are really small and subtle, but so important, right? Cause it's mm-hmm. just like a little tiny thing that you did. Um, actually that whole mapping it out, that's not so small, but just the little nuggets you're dropping on sales every time you get a chance or any other department, it just, I think it adds up to it. It clicks. It's not like a big aha moment. Like you can get eight hours of their time and tell them everything. But I think every little chance you get to drop a little nugget gives them a, gives them that, you know, bigger picture view that they don't have. Yeah. Yeah. You got to understand. And yeah, it's all about communication. Yeah. What happened sure. this week? Maybe the, the top highlights are, you know, we have a smaller team now, so it's easier back and forth, but you got to have either other channels to communicate what you're doing. If you don't right. see everyone face to face every day, because people are spread out. So, you know, they may be all over the U S or the world or so it's harder once you get into more global corporation to really have that same impact. So you got to have the right technology in place to make that happen. Yeah, that's a good point. The bigger you get, the the more disconnected things can get if mm-hmm. you let it. Um, crazy. Well, here's my next question. Who are you? How did you become this like marketing wizard? And yeah. like, take us back. Take us like little Michelle days. Did you always know you're going to be in marketing? 
We always. I definitely did not. So <laughs> I probably didn't fit. Well, I think I figured that one out come freshman year of college. But when I was a kid, you know, you have dreams of being all sorts of different things. Um, you know, one thing. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, a teacher, a doctor, you know, those standard you know, I think as a kid, you don't really understand the full scope of like what's out there in the world besides what you see in front of you. Right. And so, but I did know that I was always interested in being very creative and sort of, you know, art and design thing. I also fell in love with math as well. So it's like, oh, math, art, how do you, how do you, you yeah, how do you work with those together? And um, at one point I was like, hey, I'll be an interior designer and nothing just felt quite right. Like I felt like there was a missing component to just being the creative person. Like yeah, I wanted more the than math, that. Right? Yeah. yeah. And more like problem solving, like analytical, like bigger, bigger problems to solve. Right. And so once I finally, you know, took the intro to business class in college and I was like, Hey, that, this could work. I was like, I do, you know, I liked psychology. I like sociology. I liked a lot of the components that right. you, know, you have to be aware of and think about when it comes to marketing. And then you know, of course, the idea of like advertising was attractive to me. Watch these movies of like big advertising firms. They're like, that looks fun. But, right. <laughs> and so I did, you know, after I went through all my marketing courses. I, you so know, I wanted what, to, what made you try that though? Like you said it was sophomore year in college. So it was freshman just, year. It was just a sort of intro to business. I was just like, yeah, you know okay. what? I'll, I'll just pick this an elective class. I was like, I'll just add this to my schedule. This, you know, could be a, a way to go. Uh, not really knowing like what I'd want to do in business or anything right. like that. But I was like, yeah, it seems like a, an easy way to get a job, right? Right. <laughs> business degree. Sure. sure. <laughs> Try it out. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah, it was that first class and I pretty much latched on to marketing right away. You know, all the other topics I was like, yeah, I don't see myself really doing this, but I was like, I can really see myself getting on board with marketing and, and learning more about it and ins and outs of it. Yeah. There's so many different parts to it too. Yeah, Which and makes it, it really interesting. Even when I was in school, I mean, it wasn't even, I mean, it's marketing is completely different than it was. I mean, still, you learn the basic stuff. It's like, all right, marketing strategy, planning, let's do SWOT analysis. Let's, sure, you know. right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but there's so much more to it now with just the technology that's in place and, you know, even, you know, mapping out with the, the buyer personas and the customer journey. You know, we talked about, you know, being you know, how do you differentiate your brand and yeah. who are your target customers? And, you know, you, you go over the basics like that, but, um, so yeah, I, I got out of school. Well, one quick I, question for oh, you, yeah, yeah. because a, a lot of people get into marketing and they didn't have marketing, um, in school. Mm -hmm. And then I'm always good. And I didn't, I was like computer science communications too, though. So it was kind of a little bit of both, mm -hmm. um, like here, where it's like math and creative. Um, yeah. what kind of, is there anything that you gained that you can remember and maybe that's a harder question but like mm -hmm. from school in marketing classes that you think you still kind of leverage anything stand mm. out yeah that's a good question I mean I I remember some of my professors and the projects that I did I took a yeah. lot of international marketing mm. classes I was very attracted to the whole sort of global business idea and maybe working abroad one day sounded right. enticing and so I, I think it was, um, remember, you know, doing like a, you know, marketing plan for releasing a product in China, like, oh, cool. Um, so going through all the steps and, 
uh, you know, it's interesting because in, in school, you spend like hours upon hours developing these marketing plans for, you know, either customers like local people, yeah. like customers or um, companies in the area, or you sort of make up something, you know, like we did, we're like, oh, we, we were going to do a vitamin D for China. And I don't remember why we picked that necessarily. And so you're researching their markets and you know, how do they communicate with everyone? And, right. uh, but yeah, it was just, it's, it's so different now than it was then. You don't really get a full scope. Like you got to do things faster and quicker yeah. a lot of times than you have to like really think about it when you're in school. But Yeah. I, th- I think sometimes even those projects, th- you know, doing that kind of stuff is really the value, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, trying stuff and learning and the practical application of, of some of those theories yeah the process of going through it really yeah, yeah. thinking thinking through it did um, you also do spanish while you're in school i did yeah i, did. I don't always claim that one as much anymore because my <laughs> spanish skills are not quite where they used to be but yeah it was uh that was kind of a you know i went into school and i was like oh i'm not gonna take spanish again and right. I was required as a foreign language. So I was like, okay, I'll just take my credits. And once I got into the university level, I was like, oh, you know, I kind of like this again. This is fun. So Interesting. Like, and then I just. Because it starts I, over too, though, right? Because like Spanish one in school is just like. Yeah, I, t- well, I tested it into a little bit. Um, oh, did you? You tested like, it up to? Like the third level or whatever. Oh, wow. Time, so Spanish three. And then uh, a friend and I were like, hey, we want to travel abroad while we're in school. And so that was bigger motivation to keep learning Spanish because we decided let's go to Spain for a semester. I was like, well, if we're going to survive in Spain, let's, let's learn the language. So then that kept me interested in it. And then since I was in Spain, all those classes I took, which was like, I think 12 hours or 16 hours worth of classes, they all transferred over as like credit. And I was like, well, I can get 16 hours of Spanish credit. I only need to take a couple more classes to actually get a major in it. And I was like, sort of just like, well, I'll just do it just because. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is cool. That is really cool. So you did a semester abroad in Spain? I did, yeah. What was that like? So it was awesome. I mean, it was like the biggest, you know, learning experience I think that I could had at my time in that life in my yeah. life because it just it puts you in such an uncomfortable situation of <laughs> you know, being living with a stranger that you'd never met before not really speaking their language and trying to like just you know everything that you did like from okay well I need a phone and I need to put the time you had to like buy minutes for your phone still over there right. and it's like going to the store and just putting minutes on my phone was like a challenge it wasn't like you know I got back to the U.S. and I was like everything is so easy (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, you're right every every sort of communication and I mean how was it you had studied it for a a while but it still wasn't it wasn't like necessarily fluent or it was still no yeah yeah I could communicate but still it's like you had to think about you couldn't say things the way you wanted to say them. So you'd have to find another way to communicate, mm. you know, like, you know, the basic stuff, going to a store, buying your groceries. That's one thing, but you know, I was taking all my classes were in Spanish. So there I took, you know, an art wow. class in the Prado. And so they're explaining the history of these artists like El Greco in Spanish. And I'm trying oh, to follow God. along and like understand art history, like, you know, from the Spanish professor. So it was, you know, just constantly your brain was just being expanded, like at every moment, trying to figure out. Like, what uh, I mean, on. you're right. Like 16 credits of cheese, all in Spanish. Yeah. So 
I did take a few, you know, fun classes like ceramics and things. So like, oh, good. Give my mind a break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You only have a few words like, you know, oh, more water, add, add more water. Okay, I right. got that. That's, yeah. that's good. I can do that. I'll add more water to, to yeah. that. Wow. Um, crazy, crazy cool. Did you, did you have any, like when you learned Spanish before you went over there, was it more of that like Mexican Spanish or were your teachers Spanish? No, they, it was, um, yeah, the Castilian like Spanish, yeah. Spain Spanish that you were learning. So actually right. to this day, you know, when I'd randomly come across someone that had that accent, I could just pick it up that really? much faster. It was, wow. just, it, was my, it was ingrained in my head that that's what I learned when I was over there. And so it was just easier for me to listen to and hear, um, because that's, that's how I practice. You just, like, oh, okay, that that person's been to Spain. I can tell. Right, yeah. It yeah. just, like, triggers something on in your brain. You're like, okay, I got it. <laughs> Whereas if it's, like, Mexican or South American Spanish, you're like, whatever. Right, you can, yeah. You can still hear it. You can still pick up a lot of it, um, probably. I do, yeah. And that's, I mean, great. But I'm, you know, in Houston, so you hear Spanish sure. every day. <laughs> you drive, uh, you know, to and from work, and there's billboards on Spanish along the way. So. Have you ever used it at work? Like, have you ever used it for marketing? I did early in my career. So when I first started out, I worked at an advertising and marketing agency and okay. we had one or two clients every now and then would um, come in and they're actually, you know, based in Mexico. Like we had a fencing company and mm -hmm. I think there was a tequila company. And so I actually, they would write into the website in Spanish. And at the time I was the only one in the office that knew any <laughs> Spanish. So I would, I would write them back in Spanish. And a couple of times I tried conversing with them on the phone, but being on the phone um, and speaking Spanish is a whole other animal. I was like, at least when you hit your face to face, you can, you know, follow, like read their lips more. Lips. And yeah. yeah. But, uh, and I'd say there was a couple of times we had, they came, the client came in from Mexico and I tried to, you know, speak Spanish here and there. How'd that, that go? <laughs> it was, I, I think it, it was more of like an appreciated effort of like, yeah. but you know, the meeting was in English. It wasn't, you know, no one else at the company spoke Spanish, but it was, right. it was fun because I did maintain it a little bit more than I have lately, you know, where it hasn't necessarily, it's more of like, if I want to speak Spanish to someone, it's more conversational than actually the business Spanish that I learned. Right. And I was reading novels in Spanish and like writing papers on them. So it's almost like a whole different type right. of interaction of Spanish than like your, your normal. Could you teach someone pardot in Spanish? No, <laughs> I don't think I could. <laughs> uh, There'd be so many words. It would be. Like, I, I think it'd be a lot of Spanglish. Of <laughs> it would be. Um, would you call it nurture, or you translate that? And it's like uh, pardot, uh, um, engagement studio. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe you you do your steps. It'd be like primero. <laughs> right. Like click here. I don't know. It'd, yeah. It'd be challenging. What is what is click? Is there a verb for clicking? You know, I don't know if there's like a click here. Click, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. There'd be so much Spanglish going mm -hmm. on there just to try to share all that. I remember when I was on a trip and I was in Germany and I didn't know any of that language. So it wasn't like I could even pretend. Mm. I tried. That was actually the one, every time I'd visit a country, I would get like the Pimsler, like language learning mm, in that yeah. country and just like on the flight over. Try to learn what you could. <laughs> just, yeah. And I'd listen to on the plane. And it worked out really well in Japanese. Mm -hmm. German, though, the words are just so long. Mm -hmm. It actually put yeah. me to sleep when I listened to it. Well, so yeah, it's it was the very one. difficult one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just remember getting back to London when I was connecting through, being like, 
oh, I, I can hear English. And it just felt mm-hmm. so nice to hear English because even like if someone was gossiping or if someone was in a bar, you're like, I don't understand anything. Cool. Right. I'm <laughs> here by myself. Exactly. Um, yeah. The advertisements too. You're like, okay. doesn't really affect me. It's not getting into my brain because I don't know what mm-hmm. it says. Yeah. That's, no, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Would you go back? Back to Spain? I would. I have been back. Um, I think a couple times since I went. Uh, nice. Once to Barcelona, and uh, I spent a New Year's Eve in Madrid um, wow. many years ago, which um, was a, a very cool experience. And it was probably easier the second, third, and fourth time, and especially not having a class to attend. You're just like, right, hey. yeah, you're just there traveling. Right. Everybody know how to get around, and so it was crazy, different. crazy. So I have a question for you. If you could go back in time, and I may have a time machine here in Nashville, mm-hmm. New Hampshire. Okay. And uh, assuming I do, if you could go back in time to the beginning of your career, it could be mm-hmm. when you graduated college, it could be even before then, what would you tell yourself? Like having experienced all the things you've done and mm-hmm. been to Spain and all these different things, would you give yourself any advice? What would you say? So one thing when I always look back at the start before my career even started that I probably would try to change um, just because it would, I think it could be more advantageous is when I was in school, there was a program, um, it was like the three, two program. So you could get your MBA in five years with an undergrad degree. And I, I looked at it, but I was like, Oh, I don't know. And I, if I could go back, I would tell myself, just be like, you know what, go ahead and do that. Um, now, and I look back at it, I don't know how much more knowledge I would have had coming out of school right. than I did with graduating with a four-year business degree, but it's, you know, sort of one of the things that checks that box where a lot of, you know, times when you're looking to like advance your marketing career in a lot of companies, it's like MBA required. And it's like, I think Mm. my skill set is way, you know, learned a lot over the years, but it would be nice. Um, That would just been such an easy way to tick that box off rather than going back now where you're spending you know, it's a, it's a huge investment and time and money. Yeah. Um, and when you have a family, that's can be a little bit more challenging. So yeah. I was like, man, if I would have done that, that would have just been awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you have checked the box. You would have yeah. had one. I think, and... you know, just go back, you know, and do like those year long programs, you know, especially things that different universities offer to, you know, right. keep learning, but at least, you know, you would, you would have that MBA under wraps. Like that would be, that would have been cool. <laughs> so, right. Now, did you did you technically have like two degrees, one in Spanish and one was in? I did, yeah. They were full. full yeah. yeah, yeah. See, that happened, happened majors, to me too. Yeah. It was computer science and communications, and they were it was like a BA and a BS, so it was mm-hmm. like different schools. Yeah. Um, so you got that. I but did. You're yeah, right. I did that. <laughs> yeah, you had the longer sleeves, and you'd have. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, for one extra year. <laughs> one, yeah, I know. One extra year, because you did you did that in four. You did the two right. and four. I did um, two and four, so it been totally possible. I could have my undergrad in in Spanish and then have an MBA. Right <laughs> yeah. now, would you trade your experiences in Spain for an MBA? No, I don't think I would. Okay, I would have found a way to do both. You would have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, three degrees, five years. Yeah. <laughs> rock on. Awesome. Okay, so you would tell yourself take a look at that program. Anything else you'd, you'd say about, you know, your career or how to navigate or anything like that? Yes. I mean, I think just getting to exposed to as much as you can as, as early as possible. Um, so, you know, I, 
probably early on in my career, I wasn't as interested in, in learning things outside of work and which it's like, I had so much time on my hands, you know, you'd come home from work and, you know, your weekends, it was just, you know, especially, you know, we don't have kids. It's like, you have so mm-hmm. much free time and you don't realize how much free time you have until you don't have it. And so now, you know, I'm like, think about all these things I could have been, you know, really pushing ahead. And um, so I think I would have encouraged myself to try to learn a little bit more um, why I had more time. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's fun to learn new things when you find the right time. And when that spark mm-hmm. goes off, and you're like, I want to learn more about that. Right. And now, yeah, now I'm, you know, I'm on a learning kick, but still. What are you learning these days? Um, so, I mean, it's really just more of like marketing learning yeah. and, and nutrition, like I'm interested in nutrition, oh, so sweet. jump on a nutrition podcast to learn, you know, a little bit more about, you know, the details and what aspects of nutrition. Um, so there's one podcast I listen to, they, they kind of get into like a pretty, honestly, a lot of the words they use, I don't really follow completely because it's really on like the cellular and molecular wow. level of like how nutrition is impacting your body and so you're um, like a bio degree yeah, in the future yeah. as well. You get an MBA and a biology yeah, degree. Maybe. You know, I, I did want to be a doctor early on. So there right. there there is that. But more about just to learn things about how to, you know, be healthier, like what yeah. foods, you know, you should be adding to your diet, how much, you know, and everyone's different with their physiology. So what works for one person is not necessarily going to work for another person. So maybe that kills my next question, but I was going to say from everything you've been learning so far, any recommendations for everyone listening around nutrition? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's all about finding your balance and listening to your body. I think we Mm -hmm. kind of tune our body out a lot of times. And when you're actually like in tuned to your body, you know, it's like, Hey, maybe I shouldn't have eaten that. Like all of a sudden I have zero energy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I think we kind of take stuff for granted, right? When, mm-hmm. oh, I have, when you're going through Tums like crazy, maybe whatever you're eating is not, should not be, right. but for me, it's pizza, right? Mm-hmm. I can do one or two, but if I'm being ridiculous in a, in a couple week period and there's like too much pizza or even like back to back, right? Right. Eventually I'm like, wow, I need Tums now. Like I haven't been eating those things in a long time. And it's like, oh God, what am I doing? Oh, that's right. I'm eating something that you know, yeah. my body's not happy with. So yeah, yeah, I like that. Pay attention to the signals. Yeah. And I haven't gotten as, uh, I've seen things where you can do like micronutrient panels to actually mm. see where your levels are of like vitamins deficiencies, because it's like, Oh, you read about, maybe I need to take more vitamin E because of right? this, but you don't really know if your body needs it. So. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you know, like start popping like these vitamins that you're like, could be throwing yourself out of whack. So. Right. You don't want to take too much of one. Right. Yeah. And, and go crazy with it so yeah it's like i guess the only one you can't od on is like vitamin c which is it's that's nice that you can't get, take too much <laughs> yeah but the other ones you're right you could take too much of something and it'd be but what if you're deficient in it you don't know right. i would yeah. totally do like the vitamin panels or even just to figure out what kind of allergies you have for like right and i guess that comes back to being like kind of a data junkie right you know yeah like oh yeah totally that's the data, data. Side, right? <laughs> like data like for your body like tell me like what I need to do. Like, I don't want to just, yeah. Guess. <laughs> I had a friend that I was chatting with who did like the full food allergy workup because mm-hmm. she was getting all sorts of like crazy, like levels of pain and just swelling and discomfort. So she's like, there's like a 
bunch of things I'm eating that I shouldn't be eating mm-hmm. and did the whole, like all the work, the bloods, all the samples to like figure out what it is. And she had this whole laundry list, unfortunately, but at least she mm. knew she's like, right. yep, not steak, not this, um, not chicken. Like there's like certain things, certain meats and vegetables and like, Oh, not raspberries, no right. cucumbers, but at least, you know, and if you can avoid the things, you know, that are major, you start like, wow, I'm really feeling good over here. Yeah, well, like we, my youngest daughter has some food allergies, Mm. and so uh, we just recently learned that she has a sesame seed allergy, and so the crackers, sesame seed, sesame seed, yeah, Ah, interesting. And you know, it's not really in a lot of our food, but I realized I was like, oh, there's crackers that she gets when she leaves her school at the end of the day, and they have like microscopic amounts of sesame seeds, and she was would eat them like every day, and it wasn't enough to where it was causing like. A severe reaction but she has really bad eczema and I've noticed now that we finally figured that one out she doesn't get those crackers anymore it has helped her skin like so much and it's totally. just like you know it's just one of those random ones I mean it is a more common one that people can have but it's still it's I didn't expect it so yeah and you always wonder about milk too mm-hmm. you know like I think I think there's a certain gene where people have evolved to be able to be cool with milk later on versus being lactose and talking about apparently like half of America, this is complete. This is a marketer saying nutrition science, but like, it was like (laughs) half of us are like lactose intolerant in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Well, there's Um, a lot of components to milk. There's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Different like proteins in there, Mm. like casein and whey that you could have an issue with. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Might not be lactose. Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's true. That's so true. And just kind of honing, honing and fine. It's like optimizing. It's like doing marketing on your body kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Optimize your body. (laughs) That's it. Optimize your body. There's your next book right there. Yeah. (laughs) Just need to learn a little bit more of the, you know, inner workings of uh, nutrition. Just let's do a few podcasts. You'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's what I do. Yeah. I just listen to marketers on marketing podcasts and I know a few things after that. That That's crazy. So, Hey, where can people, connect with you if they want to reach out and say hi yeah so the best place to reach me is is on LinkedIn I'm on there pretty much daily so I handle is uh, Michelle R. Sanders okay find me there gotta get that middle name in in case there's any other Michelle's trying to do it well someone stole Michelle Sanders you know I didn't jump on it fast enough apparently so imposter imposter there can be only one (laughs) No, okay, no, so no. hit you up on LinkedIn, say hi, and don't be a stranger, and don't just send a random invite. Send a note saying, I heard you on the podcast. I love the chat mm-hmm. nutrition or marketing or Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I've been a um, sort of a lone marketer at a company for a long time, so mm. if anyone has any questions about how to handle marketing in a small company, being the only person there... I'm happy to offer advice on That's awesome. how to make it work. <laughs> so. That is awesome. I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there that are like ready to take that advice up because it, yeah. it's not easy when you're the only one that does what you do and everyone else thinks you're crazy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Crazy. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here and just chit chat and hanging out mm-hmm. and making Friday a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Jump into the weekend and Hang out at our homes, right? <laughs> right. Hey, weekend. Doing exactly what I did yesterday. Except no calls. Um, yeah, right. Um, and for those listening, if you learn something, and I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, then share this with someone. Share the episode with someone. Be a thought leader to one person, two people, a thousand people. But get this information in their hands. And then 
definitely uh, hit up Michelle and chat nutrition, chat marketing, chat about being yeah. a solo marketer in a, in a company. Team yes, of one. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michelle, thanks again for coming on here. This has been so much fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Right on. This has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to Qualified.com, engage in the chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you all in the next one.